Hey, this is Mike, and just want to let you know, this episode is a little longer than our normal episodes. Uh, we have a great guest with us for the roundtable that's tonight, uh, where we discuss Ahsoka and Mandalorian, and even get into a little Galaxy's Edge and other things there. Um, really check it out. It was a great time. Uh, definitely roundtable, not to say that I don't love all our episodes, but this is this has become one of my newer favorites just because of the way everything felt. Uh, it, was, it was a feel-good episode. So here it is. Check it out. Kick back. Enjoy as we bring to you Bookie Radio. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Hey, nerds, discover your geeky haven with Twink.com. We've been delivering you the best products and all things pop culture for more than 20 years. Enjoy a wide selection of officially licensed merch from your favorite fandoms. We carry top brands from Disney, Funko, Marvel, and DC, Star Wars, Harry Potter, and much, much more. We also offer an array of exclusives that you won't find anywhere else. With all these collectible goods, you're definitely going to need a bigger boat. Welcome to another episode of Wookiee Radio. I hope he I'm being heard. Messed, he almost messed it up again. No, I got the sheer panic of, is the First Order going to screw with me again? <laughs> I thought I heard a little bit of hesitation. Welcome to another episode of Wookiee Radio. No, I'm I'm trying to make sure I, I'm seeing y'all are hearing me and not a, don't hear you, don't hear you. Is Mike talking? Just kidding. kidding. Oh, oh. <laughs> we are the Smugglers 3, Ken, Derek, and Mike, and joining us from the con guys, we have Ben Cliver. Close. Cleaver. Being a smart ass because you, you started up. So that was purposeful butchering. butchering. Oh, sure. Like, <laughs> none of us believes that. <laughs> I told you. Hard to spell, easy to say. Um, how is everyone doing besides me being frustrated because of, yeah, First Order apparently tried to hack my computer and they failed. Well, I, mean, I don't know. They did a pretty good attempt. Oh, it, it was a pretty good attempt, but I blame J7. You would. I would. Hey, don't look at me. You're the one that bought a droid off the clearance rack. Yeah. Keeps throwing that in our faces, too. Um, mm-hmm. So we invited Ben on this week because we're going to do Ahsoka trailer recap and we're going to and uh, in a recap of The Mandalorian season three. Ben's looking at me like. to watch season three. Just kidding. Just kidding. Well. That was a quick Wait, show. Wait, watch the finale. Liar. <laughs> I got the text from last week. Leave that from Derek. <laughs> yeah, but I, I've, I still got the text from last week. Um, so let's start off with a, the Ahsoka trailer. 
we saw, you know, of course, it came from Celebration. Uh, we talked a little bit about it last week, but then there's been some stuff that has leaked out since. That was me. Sorry. Okay. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Is there a competition here? Um, so uh, let, let's go ahead and dive into the, the, the trailer. Uh, that I have almost no recollection of. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's your problem. You have a computer, Derek. <laughs> that, that's a stretch. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also have a little computer in my hand right here. <laughs> I, I love for me, one of my favorite moments is we get a recreation of the beginning of Rebels in this, yeah. but instead of Ezra, Sabine. So Sabine apparently is using Ezra's little hideout as a home on Lethal. That's really no surprise because um, remember, off and on during Rebels, they were all of them were using that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but we also see a change too. Uh, Sabine's got longer hair. She's not doing the, the short crop hair. It's also 15 years later. Mm. True. <laughs> And At least has a lot years later. If you remember in Rebels, those things were everywhere on that planet. I know. They're like Borgs. Borgs. They're what's for dinner. That's right. <laughs> the other, other white meat. They really do look tasty, though. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's interesting with this trailer. Uh, you know, we got initially the back of Thrawn. So we know mm-hmm. Thrawn's in this. Uh, from what has cool. come from what has come out from the leak or the various leaked images or little clips. Uh, at one point, we see Sabine holding Ezra, either Ezra or Kanan's lightsaber. We don't get a good look at the hilt to know which one it is. Mm-hmm. And in all honesty, I don't remember whose was green. I thought it was Kanan's was green. Kanan's was green, but I believe Ezra's was also once he actually made his regular lightsaber. Okay. Yeah, when he wasn't using that blaster lightsaber combo, whatever it was. Staple gun's cool. <laughs> yeah, what? I kind of, I like the idea of it. I just didn't like the look of it. <laughs> yeah, and that would have looked really, I don't know if that could have looked, that could have ever actually looked cool live. Yeah. Um, it would have had to do a lot of work to make that look good. I, I will tell you here at Walt Disney World uh, at Studios, we had um, at the launch bay, when you had the meet and greets, they had one, um, when you went to go meet Darth Vader or Kylo Ren, whoever was on the dark side, they had all the different X-Wing pilot helmets, various characters. And and Sabine's helmet was there and a few other helmets. Yeah, so it was a mix of helmets. Over on the Chewbacca side, they had lightsabers and they actually had a mock-up of what Ezra's saber would look like in a live action sequence, that stable gun saber. And it was actually very quite impressive and it was done very well. Fascinating. I say the thing with that though is um, even in the show you could tell they had created it that way to get little kids to love it. Yeah, so yeah. they could sell toys of it. That's the only reason they built they did that in the show was to sell toys. Uh, I will say soccer because. <laughs> Zoe has <laughs> Zoe has one of the one of the ones that was sold in the parks. That's the fling action. Nice. And she is saving her money because she wants to get um, the one that's sold by Rebel Sabers, you know, who are friends of the show, and they have a really nice one um, where you could do either RGB or uh, Neopixel. Nice. So um, I just I would just say that like because I just rewatched the trailer on on mute while we've been talking here and. It's just so I I caught up on Clone Wars and Rebels during the pandemic. Like, you know, there wasn't I, I never ended up watching them like when they aired. And so I just blasted through Clone Wars and Rebels on the daily when we were on lockdown and became a huge fan of it. And 
to watch this trailer with Ahsoka, first of all, to see Ahsoka come into the Mandalorian series and be in live action. Yeah, the, you know, her, her the tails and all that stuff coming off her head was a little bit different. It was like, oh, it doesn't quite look like the cartoon. And then they kind of uh, retconned that a little bit, it looks like, for the Ahsoka show. But just to see those characters come out of animation and, and go into live action and now with all the technology that they have that they've been using in The Mandalorian to make it look just really cool and really part of the real Star Wars universe that we all know and love. Um, and to see Sabine Wren in live action, who's one of my cartoon crushes. My dog is named Sabine. Uh, it's uh, super cool. And I think that uh, personally the casting of uh, Natasha Leo Bordizo, who, who's playing Sabine Wren, that's perfect casting. I don't know if you guys saw Guns Akimbo with Daniel Radcliffe. Yes. Uh, uh, no, but plays, I want to. It's a great movie, but she plays his girlfriend in that movie. Uh, and then Mary Elizabeth Winstead uh, as Hera Syndulla is, I think that's fantastic casting as well. Also a crush. So, um, you know, just, and and then there's all this crazy stuff. Like you mentioned, we've got uh, Thrawn. Uh, we just saw the back of his head and there's kind of been some leaks recently of like what, what he's going to look like. Um, well, we, it's just ex- we, we kind of know because we know it's going to be Mars. Um, Lars, Lars Mickelson, Lars Mickelson. Yeah. Who, who was, the, uh, who, who was his voice in, in the rebel series? Yeah. Right. But we don't know what they're going to do to him to make him look like Thrawn. Are they just going to paint him blue? Is he going to have prosthetics? You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Is it going to be, I think his eyes are going to be enhanced because they're going to have those suckers yeah. firing off bright red like they're on fire yeah they're gonna have to be if they're not enhanced it's definitely gonna be full eye contacts which is possible because you know i'm not gonna say i've seen it firsthand down down here at a star cruiser or anything but yeah it's it's very possible no because i'm not there anymore so it doesn't matter uh, no, he worked. He worked for Star Cruiser when they first opened. Oh, I see. I was there for I was part of opening crew. Okay, cool. Yeah. What I want to know though, with Mary Elizabeth Winstead being hired in this, is there any relative of Ewan McGregor that's not working for Star Wars yet? <laughs> His daughter was in Obi Wan Kenobi. He's in Obi Wan Kenobi. She's in Ahsoka. It wasn't his uncle. Um, Wedge. His uncle's Wedge. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, is there any relative of his that is not in Star Wars? His dog. I'm sure, there's some. His dog. I'm sure his dog will be in Star Wars eventually. Eventually, as yeah. one of those weird alien dogs, where they <laughs> just put a thing on top of a regular dog and then send them running. I'm not entirely sure that his dog has not already been in there somewhere. So <laughs> I don't know if we can say that for sure. Do we know for sure that Ewan McGregor has a dog? No. That is another good point. I, I'm, I'm just <laughs> making things up. Um, now, supposedly, from what I've been told by um, an acquaintance who was at Celebration, you know, we got a little bit of a tease of the Purgles in Mandalorian uh, this season. Apparently, we get an even bigger look at them in Ahsoka. Well, we figured we'd see that. Which I'm excited for. Yeah. They played such a huge role in the end of Rebels that they'd have to do something with them. Yeah. Well, I I still... Mm, we, we, when we when we first saw Purgles in in Rebels, I still went back to um, Hitchhiker's Guide from the Galaxy. I'm thinking, oh, here's the well falling from the sky, mm-hmm. talking about and a pan galactic arco blaster. That's how we connect Hitchhiker's Guide to Star, Star Wars. Wars. They're in exactly. the same universe, <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, by the way, editor's note: you may be happy to know that. Uh, Ewan McGregor's wife is allergic to dogs, but he was able to adopt a poodle terrier mix that was hypoallergenic named Sid. (laughs) Thank you, Derek. 
<laughs> what I do. <laughs> Walkie tangents. Uh, Here we go. <laughs> I would I would imagine, and I, I was super stoked to see the Purgles make a very slight appearance in uh in Mandalorian. Um I would imagine because aren't they somewhat responsible for Ezra and Thrawn disappearing, yes. as I recall? Yes. Remember, yes. Um, they jumped to light speed and took the um, Star Destroyer with them. Right, right. So I would imagine they would have some involvement in the reappearance that we already know, you know, Ezra and Thrawn are already cast. Mm-hmm. We, you know... Oh, so I, yeah, I, would, I would imagine they're in there somewhere. Um, but that'll be interesting. It's such a silly creature to translate to live action, I imagine, Mm. that I'm going to be really interested to see how they handle it. Because in the animated series, sure, why not? Bring it into, you know, even though it's Star Wars, this is a pretty silly creature to bring into a live action setting. So we'll we'll find out. I guess guess it's possible that they could not fully bring them in if they didn't want to deal with that because technically, like, they didn't fully bring them in in Mandalorian. Yeah, but they well, teased. Yeah, right. Well, all they they do is just bring up teasing or something like that, you know. And and we, I mean, those of us who watch Rebels all know what the what the creatures look like, so they could just say, you know, what it looks like, you know. So we're just not going to go there. Well, remember the um, the sequel trilogy brought us Raptors. Yeah. That on that's paper look kind of silly. Did we see a full one though? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You see also, both full ones. Port Gullet. So tentacle creatures can look crazy and scary. Well, look at this. Um, the Sarlacc, a pit with tentacles. Yeah. True. Hey. So they could actually they could make it actually look cool. Actually, a Sarlacc is cool because they got the baby Sarlacc at Galaxy's Edge at Doc yeah. Ondar's. Right. Yeah. And, and it's really cool to see. Oh, the that grows into <laughs> the beast in the in the desert. Okay. Yeah. They do the whole cross section thing with the yeah with the habitat tank yeah yeah which is wild absolutely wild and, and they first show what a sarlacc looks like in the galaxy's edge comic in the miniseries it's the first issue is han going after a baby sarlacc and when i first saw that i'm like and then of course doc has it in the shop I'm like if they don't have this in the shop i'm gonna raise a, i'm gonna raise a fit walked into the shop now the, the containment unit looks a little different than what was in the comic but it was in the shop and i was happy the containment unit's different. That's it. I'm out. No, <laughs> no. Okay. I, just the fact that they had it though is is that Easter egg from the comics that's in the yeah, which tells me they probably knew it was going to be there. That's why they put it in the comics and made a story about how did it get in. Oh, I'm sure it was a whole thing yeah. where they designed the park and then wrote the comics off of it. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I believe that's what when we had Ethan Sachs over on Mighty Marvel Geeks, he he mentioned that uh, they just didn't have a an exact map of where things were located yet. But since right. they were mainly focusing on Doc, you know, they knew what type of stuff was going to be in the shop. So, um, but getting back to Ahsoka, anything else really that we need to? delve into well we've touched on it a little bit but um the one line of dialogue that um basically broke all the star wars fans yes where they yeah. mentioned thrawn being heir to the empire yeah yeah i'm I, like like i said before on here i don't think we're getting the story from heir to the empire no. now, we might get a part of it that's gets fleshed out into something else because we're also because we're already getting parts of it in other areas of star wars through um, bad batch having Montanus and um wayland in, on there already and they're doing cloning there that's that was pulled from um, the original Zon novels, right. um, the cloning programs in general. And um, what we're going to talk about with Mandalorian here coming up with um, with what 
uh, Moff Gideon's doing with his cloning and stuff. That's all stuff that was brought in with the original uh, Thrawn trilogy. Right. So I don't think we're going to get the story from Heir to the Empire with um, Joris Saboeth and all that stuff and um, and Luke and all. We're not going to get all that stuff. But we might get little little nods here and there. Would, would the essence of Heir to the Empire, if we got the essence of the trilogy, be acceptable if that's what Filoni's Mandoverse film is is taking the essence of what the trilogy was you'd have to figure out what was the essence that was still there because you gotta think his Mandoverse movie is not going to be han and luke and leia and mm, all of that stuff right. that that novel or those novels did still revolve around the core characters of what was star wars then right and they star wars now is not the same if they do air the empire then it's really not the Mandoverse anymore in my opinion yeah, I think Thrawn's a character in the universe. He's not what it's about. Yes. Well, I think the the thing is what what they've been doing since the Disney takeover is they just are going back to all the um, you know the the expanded universe or what's known as legends now uh, and just cherry picking what works essentially. Right. You no, know? and and what, what we're doing. Yeah. What what can we pick that people know or at least the hardcore right. fans know that we can fit into what we're doing now and, and that'll make put our own spin on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's like um, them with the new movie being about the quote new Jedi Order. Right. I don't mm-hmm. think we're going to see the Yuuzhan Vong in that movie. No. Right. Well, we, as we've talked about this last week too with the High Republic books. Currently, we have that uh, villain that kind of sort of fits that role in what the um it, are, Ben. Have you been reading the or kept up on the High Republic? What's going on there right now? I haven't been reading the High Republic stuff, unfortunately. Well, no. The villain in this the mother in the path of the open hand has this creature, which somehow sucks the life out of force users or something. Okay. It's reminiscent of a Yuzon Vong style villain that actually um, affects the force itself. Mm, right. We don't have any clues in the the latest book that came out. They still don't explain how it works or anything else. So it's like, they, it's not that they're totally outside of the force like the Yuzon Vong were, but it has something to do with the effects of the Jedi's, the way they um, interact with the force or something. And didn't, am I, I'm trying to figure out, um, didn't somebody in one of them say something about protecting from threats from outside the galaxy or something like that in one of the shows? Or am I make am I completely making this up? I feel like that's stuck in my brain somewhere. That could actually be, um, I don't know, I've not, I don't remember, but you got to remember Thrawn is from outside of the, um, of known space. Right. Because the Ascendancy yeah, yeah. is outside of, um, is in wild space or whatever. They totally, uh, no one had any idea who they are. Thrawn's the only only chist that's in the that's in known space that we know of especially okay. through the thrawn the current the newer thrawn novels because it goes yeah. through that of um him where why he's here and all this other stuff i saw an interesting note today that um <laughs> in a, in an interview timothy zahn recently expressed a slight bit of concern about them messing up thrawn so let's hope that he, he his fears do not come true. I don't think Dave Filoni's going to mess up Thrawn. I don't know. I, I don't think it's Filoni he's worried about, though. I don't think it is either. I think he's it's, worried about someone else writing it. Yeah, because they, yeah. I mean, they, you know, Filoni used Timothy Zahn to help bring Thrawn back into Rebels on help 
create the the, the story outline for, for rebels for him right and then you know and that's what led to the new thrawn books to to retcon thrawn back into canon mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but now we're talking about you know thrawn got reintroduced pre-original trilogy where originally he was post-original trilogy right uh now we're diving back into post-original trilogy um i i could see where zon is concerned of what do they do right especially since they have you know piecemealed bits and pieces of ideas of heir to the empire in other mm-hmm. stories so right. they can't go full heir to the empire and to be fair, he's not saying, oh, they're going to mess it up. He's just saying he there is some slight concern, like in the back of his mind, that they could take it in a direction that might not be good for Thrawn. Yeah. I, well, and actually, I want to back up on something I said earlier, how um, Thrawn is just a character in the Mandalorian universe. It's like, I, and I'm, th- I'm thinking back in my head, wait a minute. Once we saw the end of Mandalorian season three, he realized that. Thrawn is actually um, the he is in charge of everything that's going on right now. Yeah. The whole council of moths and everybody are waiting to waiting for him to show up on scene because he's the one. He's basically the emperor at this point. Or they're looking at him to fill an emperor style role to actually lead the empire back into prominence. Moff Gideon is not waiting for Thrawn. Well, <laughs> I I don't them he is. I don't see Thrawn in this case as the emperor, but I see him no. in like a, a Grand Moff Tarkin mm-hmm. type, yeah, right, type role. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, and at this point, the Imperial Remnant is, um, if we are doing this as a nice little segue into talking about Mando, yeah. um, the the Imperial Remnant that remains obviously is more complex than we had, you know, understood earlier as the characters in-universe believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were introduced to that whole council that they have, and they're still essentially operating the empire from a material uh, um, uh, military perspective, you know, so Grand uh, Admiral Thrawn is the de facto leader of it as a large military network, which is essentially what the empire is at this point in the Mandoverse. Yeah, or would be the highest ranking because even Moffs aren't, is not, Moff is not a military position. That's more like um, governor or something for, and just like under the emperor himself, there are still all kinds of smaller groups and factions within the empire that are after their own personal goals and things. That shit always happens. Which is a shock, having a Sith leading a grand standing army of the empire. Um, but yeah, so you've got this military, um, essentially nation that has no more central government in the galactic order. And so it's just a giant military unit, which again, like I said, you know, uh, uh, Thrawn would be the de facto leader of mm-hmm. and, and almost, almost messianic, you know, they're like waiting for him to return. You know, we know he's coming back someday. It's like this Jesus is coming kind of thing, you know, right. Um, just a note, looking on Wikipedia, Moff was the political rank held by governors of each sector in the Galactic Empire. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a political position. Yes. So, I mean, um, they have, they do command military, obviously they have the, um, but that's, uh, but I think Grand Admiral actually trumps Moff at this point. I would think so. Well, cause you have, uh, Moff Gideon and all these, you know, when they have their round table hologram discussion, they're all Moffs. 
or I think most of them are, or a lot of most, them are. Most of them are, yeah. Yeah, and and so at this point, they're not really, again, they're not really governors of any kind of territory. They're more of like the leaders of the military unit that's in that area, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's all boiled down to a governmentless uh, military hierarchy at this point. And what I'm seeing Filoni do now is basically the exact same thing, maybe that's, no, I'm going to say it. It's the exact same thing he did with Clone Wars and Rebels. We we said, okay, we've got episode three and episode four, and how the hell did we get from there to here? And so he's basically saying, okay, we have Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. How the hell did we get from there to there? Because Where are the missing pieces that are still missing? Yeah. yeah. And years worth. <laughs> he just creates these, uh, you know, these... Um, the sinew and these connective tissues between them all. And this is really what we're seeing. I mean, they've already used the word order, a new order, Mm -hmm. uh, what they're constructing from this Imperial remnant, you know, and obviously that's, you know, cause they gave them, when I saw force awakens, I'm like, where, where did the new order come from? What is this? Who's funding this? You know? (laughs) Well, the cool thing with Filoni, I think is going to be, um, if he's not actually read all the books and comics in between that they've put out in between right now, he at least has the outlines for it all. Absolutely. He's going to make sure that he actually sits in, sets it in with, because they put little breadcrumbs here and there of where the, um, where the new order came from and all that stuff. They put the breadcrumbs in there here and there, um, with the first set of books, uh, what was it called? I I know there's probably the more. Trilogy. The Aftermath Trilogy. They put little breadcrumbs of what what was this? Um, in Star Wars Battlefront or Battlefront Two, they put little breadcrumbs in the story there of who who's in charge where. Right. So um, I think Filoni knows either um, knows or has the outline sitting in front of him of all that stuff that's been out there. So he knows, okay, where do I need to start filling in the blanks? Right. And um, since the nice thing is, well, as we've said before, Dave Filoni sat at the feet of the master and George Lucas taught him how to tell Star Wars stories. Right. That's why one of the reasons his stuff feels like classic Star Wars. Um, exactly. Now, the, we could see th- we could see Thrawn be named Grand Moff at this point because, according to again going back to Wikipedia, uh, according to their canon, Grand Moff was a military and political t- title in the hierarchy of the Galactic Empire. Mm-hmm. So, almost, so Grand Moff is almost like a president. Yeah, yeah. So that's why Commander in Chief and both Grand Moff and Governor. He was called both. Yes, right. And didn't he? Because he started off in as a governor in the old republic, and then no, he was an admiral. He was an officer in the old republic. Oh yeah, governor right. later became yeah. governor. Yeah, he became governor, and then became. That's why he's the grand moth. Yes, he's had and both he's, sides. Then he developed a foul stench that you could recognize as soon as you step on board. Exactly. exactly. That's the band that was pink slippers he wore. Could be. <laughs> Very well, could be. Um. <laughs> So with Mandalorian, what there there had been some backlash of oh it, this was not truly Mandalorian it was the Bo-Katan series. Yeah, um, I can see that on one hand. Yes, to me it's the Mandalorian. Well, Bo-Katan's a Mandalorian. Yeah, I was just gonna say the it, same thing. You know, yes, but when you think of the Mandalorian, you think of Din Djarin. Din Djarin. Yeah. But but that does change after season one when we we know there are other Mandalorians and, and we know about the Coven. We know, uh, and then again it changes in season two when we get Boba Fett and we get you know the the, the whole sequence. 
During the Book of Boba Fett, on the wheel. Yeah, but the thing is, even throughout all that, Din Djarin was the main focus, even in even in parts of Book of Boba Fett. But right. you gotta think, season three, this was still, throughout the season, this was still his story, or told through his point of view. Now, it might have been, and it wasn't quite, I mean, it just happens that uh, that uh, Bo-Katan is going to be the leader of the Mandalorians. So this whole thing, but this season three was telling the story of the return to Mandalore through Din Djarin's eyes. So now, I think what I think they should do is simply add an S to yeah. the end, end for the next season. It is now the Mandalorians. That is what the show is. Which My, is uh, that's great. Which is what I I'm happy with that. But they need to do that to change the focus. My crazy theory: Grogu is the Mandalorian. Well, at like the, at the end of this season, he is at the end. Of, so this I, is I all get I get that. Yeah, because he shows up at the end of the pilot, and this has all been his, you know, his story through Din Djarin's experience. But his story of becoming a Mandalorian, you know, being a foundling, and that now he. At the end of the season, he's officially on the road to becoming a full-fledged Mandalorian. But, you know, I'm not standing by that as like a hard and fast truth, but I think it's an interesting theory to think of like, oh, maybe the the name the Mandalorian actually refers to Grogu and his story of becoming a Mandalorian under his now father, Din Djarin. I have an interesting theory to add to that, possibly, that it popped up because of you saying that. Um, wouldn't it be interesting Star Wars got the circular storytelling, right? Right. So what if Grogu's the return of the Mandalorian Jedi? My God. Remember the first Mandalorian Jedi created the Darksaber? Huh. Grogu becomes the last um, Mandalorian Jedi and gets the Darksaber back. And Ryan Johnson directs that episode. <laughs> the last Mandalorian Jedi. I'd be cool with that. Or just um, the return of the Mandalorian Jedi. Either way, I mean, as far as we know, we've not heard of another Mandalorian Jedi after the guy who created the Darksaber. One the thing Vistle I was glad of, it was to see him use more Force powers in the finale to know that he's not um, uh, giving up on on the Force just because he he left the Jedi Order or the, right. the the so he is still using the Force and everything so that's cool I'm glad to see that so that that leads me to think that Ken you may actually be onto something there well, well I, the cool thing is other Jedi we've seen we've only seen a handful of Jedi at the most leave the Jedi Order right remember Ahsoka left the Jedi Order she's still running around like as if she was a Jedi Grogu leaves Luke and he's still using the force and still acting to a point like a Jedi a child right. but uh, acting like a Jedi well Kanan was the same way mm-hmm. and well, as he, far as we know Ezra's the same way mm. it was totally different because he, um, he was like Cal Kestis and some of the other ones that had survival yeah. They didn't have, yeah they never stopped being Jedi they just went into hiding right um going back to grogu for a second <laughs> that's fun uh, now I his name is din grogu, grogu. now yeah. i was about to so go there <laughs> earlier well that's what my story is about so earlier today uh i saw on my wife's facebook she posted a meme or something about grogu and one of her one of her friends wrote who's grogu which first of all i was like well, what do you mean who's grogu <laughs> And then she wrote, uh, you know, Baby Yoda. And he was like, oh. And so I sent her a nerd bomb. I posted a nerd bomb and said, um, technically, his name is now uh, Din Grogu. Thank you very much. Um, and then you shoved your glasses up with your finger. Exactly. Actually, I had a me uh, a gift that did that. Did, did you <laughs> Did you then turn around and ask her to go order a, a B-spin fizz? <laughs> uh, yeah, when we went. Oh no! I'm missing a story here, aren't I? 
I went. I find we went to Florida in September last September, year. September end yeah. of September. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. My wife, my wife and I, and we met up with Mike finally. The first time we ever met Mike in person. And he took us to after the hurricane and everything. He took us to Galaxy's Edge and he got us into uh, Ogus Cantina. <laughs> we were ordering drinks and stuff, and one of their drinks is a Best Bin Fizz. Mm-hmm. But my wife just said, "I'll have a Best Bin Fizz," <laughs> and me and Mike just started laughing like crazy. And she was like, "What's so funny?" <laughs> yeah, well, the worst part was Zoe, my daughter, was laughing even harder than us. <laughs> now the only excuse for that is if she'd already drank one, and you know it like numbs your tongue, and then she'd be like, "I'll have a Best Bin Fizz," but sounds like it was her first drink. So. So no excuse. Yeah, yeah. But she's only a casual Star Wars fan, so we'll let it go. <laughs> it was just so funny. We were dying. Well, well I, th- I think what was even worse is my wife, who, who's also a casual fan, looked at her and said, do you mean a Bespin fizz? Oh, no. <laughs> and, and, that, and that just made the laughter even even more. <laughs> Yeah, fun but, fact about me, as long as we're mentioning wives, my uh, my wedding anniversary is May the 4th. Hey, and, great day. And it was actually my wife's idea. Before we were even engaged, she said to me, you know, babe, in 2019, May the 4th is on a Saturday. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, I have to propose now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no choice. What are you going to do? Yeah, you propose and plan you for propose. May 4th. Exactly. And we did. Now tell me you proposed on May the 3rd. I did not. I proposed. <laughs> I think I proposed quick like day before. I proposed on November 17th. No, November 19th of 2017 oh, so uh, at Disneyland. See, you know, it wasn't that, that wasn't that long because he remembers the dates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I could. I could tell you. I a, uh, go go ahead, ahead, Ben. I was going to say, I have a running Google Doc, but no. <laughs> as long as you don't ever get excited about May the 4th and then forget that it's also your anniversary, you're good. <laughs> I think I'll be okay. Talking See, I'm about- lucky I remember my anniversary. Oh. Mine's actually May the 6th. So I, I asked my wife out September 24th, 1992. We got engaged September 16th, 94. Got married June 15th, 96. Her birthday, September 16th, 74. I'm August 24th. Oh, she's mad that you said the year in that. Yeah, uh, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> and then my daughter was born on November 20th of 09. So. Gold star to you, Mike. Now, do I remember, do I remember her side of the family's birthdays like her her parents want to know but that's what a google calendar is for mike exactly that's what my iphone's for there you go um so with the eight episodes we got of mandalorian was there a favorite moment favorite episode it could be more than one moment more than one episode if i may this isn't a favorite um but i want to talk about jack black for a second (laughs) um that so first of all i think every famous person in hollywood is now just going to their manager and saying get me in a star war Mm -hmm. Um, and the episode with that one had jack black lizzo uh, christopher lloyd and for one thing love lizzo she's fantastic was not impressed with her acting in this show but then again she's also right next to jack black who's just gonna jack black all over the place right (laughs) which is which is part of i think the problem with having him in there is that you didn't get the character you got jack black right which is what you expect yeah when you get jack 
but, I, but I think that's what the character was. was Jack Black. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, well, this is a really Jack Black character. Why don't we just get Jack Black? Right. And he, he was great because that's his natural state. And Jack poor, I, out of it. I feel bad for poor Lizzo because they throw her. She's not known as an actress, obviously. I don't know if she's been in anything else or what she's been in, but they just throw her in there right next to Jack Black and they're like, here, play his wife or whatever. And she was supposed to dialogue. Yeah, I have a feeling that she didn't really, um, like, she wasn't like thinking, like, oh, I'm so bad. She was probably like, I'm in Star Wars. I'm with Jack Black. This is so cool. I'm having so much fun. I'm touching the, 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 oh, so much- as any of us would be right exactly so um and i uh, believe me i am not like hating on her by any means like i think she's a wonderful performer but you know the you you throw her in there next to jack black and he's Mm. he's gonna outshine you and and i don't see any any big uh acting career coming out of that yeah (laughs) not from that example not from that example oh not from that example no yes i still think christopher lloyd um beat them both on the best Uh cameo or the best guest starring role in the show because he does such a great job of um christopher lloyd has been known his whole career as um you say hey that's christopher lloyd but then you real quickly you forget and just let it know that's whatever the character is yeah but that's because he's a great actor <laughs> yeah i was gonna say one of my favorite moments in the series was christopher lloyd with yes. the whole uh dooku aspect how he's yeah. such he, that he was a supporter of dooku in the separatists and it, it almost felt like this episode was a a political statement without truly being a political statement which i thought was an interesting nod yeah i think one of my um, favorite spots in this um season wasn't just one spot it was um the whole story thread of ig11 and not um in uh, at the very beginning you're missing a part and all of a sudden they let you let you forget totally about it for six or seven episodes then out of nowhere he shows up at the end yeah it got to the point where like when they found the head in the bar it didn't <laughs> dawn on me why he was getting ahead <laughs> you can see um grogu sitting there pointing at it so he's like oh like he wants the shiny droid head okay it reminds him of a friend of his okay let's get the droid head and take it then then later you see him like that's why he got that right yeah the setup they let you forget about it and then they bring it back around at the end and it's like oh that wasn't just a forgotten story thread right which is good because they needed they definitely needed to do to do that Mm -hmm. um which so i thought you know the um one of the highlights of the season for me, and part of it was because I did, I loved Andor um, mm-hmm. and, and the style and the episode where they focused on uh, Dr. Um, Pershing. Like, Dr. Pershing and his like reintroduction into the New Republic and like this whole, you know, that we later find out in, in some aspects is a mole operation, but, you know, his reintroduction um, and them trying to get his cloning and but that whole it was world building it was universe building mm-hmm. it was a lot of people hated on it online that I saw at least because they're like oh this episode of the Mandalorian didn't have the Mandalorian in it well it did a little bit but the, the focus on seeing what else is going on on Coruscant what else is going on with former Imperials. Yeah. How is the New Republic, you know, rebuilding itself? I I just thought that episode was fascinating. I remember after we watched it, I turned to my wife and I was like, that episode was awesome um, because it is expanding everything. And I think that's what's so good about 
what Filoni is doing with the overarching storyline of of expanding the post Return of the Jedi Star Wars universe right. and and not just strictly focusing on Din Djarin, which is a great story, you know, of course. But I, I what, thought the introduction of the amnesty program was very yeah. intriguing. Mm-hmm. See, I liked all that, but I didn't like the way they did it. I didn't like that it just turned into the the Pershing show. Like, yeah. Gone back and forth, it would have been better, but it was yeah. kind of jarring the way it just. Well, they set up the, the that's the way they do things when they um going back to Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, and I didn't like yeah, it. A couple episodes of Mandalorian in the middle of that. <laughs> I didn't like it then either. Yeah, but the cool thing I thought about Pershing was um you see it at the beginning and you're um and you automatically thinking okay is this guy really gonna buying all in with the New Republic and such, and you get to the end it's like yes he was but the one everybody expects that she has been fully bought in. Is not. She's the double agent. Yeah, and we see her later in spots. That that was kind of predictable, though. I didn't. I never expected. But I was expect. I was expecting at the beginning to be him. I wasn't. I knew. I, I could tell it was going to be her. Well, I'll say, Derek. I I agree with you that it it was somewhat predictable, and that's why I didn't predict it because I watch so many. You know, there's so many shows on now where the person you thought you could trust can't be trusted, and it it flips on. You and so I watch shows now expecting the person that I I'm expecting right, to not yeah. be able to trust. I can't trust. And but don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it was predictable, so it was bad. Right. I'm saying it was predictable because that's what it should be. Right. Yeah. She right. should be. She should have been that. That's what she should have been. That's the one cool thing about that they have done with this Mandalorian show was um so many shows anymore tried to do what Ryan Johnson said he did where he just said okay. Where, where's the story supposed to go? I'm going to go the exact opposite direction every time. Right. Yeah, no, but- Mandalorian is a linear story that tells the story, and it's somewhat predictable here and there, but it's because that's classic storytelling. It's Star Wars storytelling. They're telling the tropes that have been around for hundreds of years. Yeah, but they they kind of uh, telegraphed her you know, being the turn on, mm-hmm. on Pershing with just the way she flip-flops conversations with him. Yeah. Right, off yeah. and on throughout the episode. Well, the cool thing was they did give you a little bit of doubt and made it look like she may have actually been working with New Republic Intelligence to make sure that he's truly where he's supposed to be. Right. She probably that, was. That was kind of in the back of my head a little bit, thinking that she was actually testing him and running these questions and doing this stuff for the New Republic. See, I never she, thought she, that. I, didn't, I never felt that way. But she's doing it. It's like she's a triple agent or something. I'm saying I liked it because I felt like they were leading us to believe we shouldn't trust her and in the storytelling uh, that we've seen so far, we've been like, oh, yeah, but when they've said, you know, made it look like somebody you couldn't trust them, then you really could in the end. And so I was like, oh, that's what I was expecting. And then when she actually turned, that's why I was like, oh, she actually did turn. That's Mm -hmm. that's what was surprising to me, because. I expected her to, and because I expected her to, I expected her not to. If that makes right. sense, yes. it does. Yeah, but also <laughs> when it when when she did turn for me, it was like I felt like yes, that is what I wanted from her. That is what I was. That is what I was expecting her to be. So, and you sometimes that could be a bad thing, but in this case, it was not a bad thing because it felt more satisfying to me. Yeah, I agree. I like, All right, that's I knew it, and that's what you should be, and that's that's you should not be uh, a part of the republic now and just kind of you know bowing to them and everything. 
So it felt right. It felt like what she should be. So, so let me pose this question. Um, Book of Boba Fett, we got essentially two and a half episodes of Mandalorian in the middle of Book of Boba Fett. Yep. This, we got two thirds of an episode about Persian. Maybe more than that. Okay, three, qu- three quarters of an episode. Yeah, I would easily say three quarters, yeah. Um, uh, of Pershing, mm. which later, you know, does help feed the story later down the road right. w- without him. Which were y'all more comfortable with seeing or, or, or happier with? The three quarters of an episode with Pershing that may take away from the Mandalorian or two and a half episodes of the Mandalorian that took away from Book of Boba Fett? Well, if I have to choose, if I have to pick that way, I'd have to go with the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett only because it was nice to see the Mandalorian. But I still, I still didn't like seeing an entire episode and a half of Book of Boba Fett focus on the Mandalorian. Yeah. To the point where at one point it felt like Boba Fett was doing a cameo in his own series. Right. Well, and I I have a little bit of a a rant I could go on about this. And maybe this is the place to do that. Yeah. Um, So I think if I recall correctly... The the inspiration or the initial drive to when they were developing Mandalorian was it it was originally supposed to be like a Boba Fett movie. And then it got, you know, reworked and reworked and reworked. And then it ended up being a series about a different Mandalorian and his story. And I think that was the thing we were all waiting for is when is Boba Fett? Because he's we know he got out of the Sarlacc pit. We absolutely know he did. And, uh, you know, so then we introduced Boba Fett with the whole um, the the going after the armor on Tatooine uh, with um, Timothy Oliphant. Uh, what was Cobb his character? Vanth. Cobb Vanth. Yes, Cobb Vanth. And, you know, that whole thing. And then Boba Fett showing up. And I was very excited about that. And my take on the series, The Book of Boba Fett, is Book of Boba Fett a good TV show? No. Oh. Do I want three more seasons of it? Yes. Sure, but I, they do better seasons. Right. And and I think, you know, there was some really great stuff in Book of Boba Fett and some, yes. you know, teenagers on mopeds. And... <laughs> And um, I I liked the idea of like the the cyborg kit bash, whatever you want to call it, you know, self uh, improvement. uh, What do they call it? Um, I can't remember anything apparently now, but, um, you know, I liked that whole storyline. But it like Robert Rodriguez, like he went some weird directions in Book of Boba Fett and. But I do want to see more Boba Fett. So I I do feel like I was robbed a little bit of Boba Fett story yes. by having two right. to two and a half episodes of the show, The Book of Boba Fett, not have Boba Fett in it, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the Pershing episode of Mandalorian, you know, there was still some Mandalorian in that episode because that's when they did. Uh, that's when they the TIE fighters come and destroy Bo-Katan's you know, whatever. Um, And so they were covering that, but I, I think it was essential to the end of the season to cover the whole Dr. Pershing thing. And what's her name? Kane, um, you know, betraying him and going back and all of a sudden, you know, a couple episodes later, after we find out that um, Moff Gideon's, 
trans excuse me transport was attacked and he was extracted and then there was like the tag at the end of the episode where they're like oh it's beskar in the thing it was you know Gideon was rescued by Mandalorians. Well, then we find out later. No, they're not Mandalorians. Exactly. They're Stormtrooperians. Um, I like that. <laughs> and uh, but I, I felt like the Pershing episode of Mandalorian fed into the storyline of the rest of the show, whereas the the Mandalorian episodes of Boba Fett fed into the Mandalorian storyline yes. and kind of justified why he showed up at the end of Boba Fett, but it, it, it they were they were I, part yeah. of the Mandalorian storyline. Those episodes too also you know, just helped bridge the gap of how how was Grogu going to be going to be back with Din Djarin or season three. Well, he's, right. Because he's, in the season two, we know they're gone. And everyone's like, you can't do the Mandalorian without Grogu. Right. So how do, how do, how does this all transpire back? That brings another question up to me. I'm wondering, is there a chance that at the end of season two, they were actually honestly um, considering leaving Grogu off the show? I and think so. turning it into a straight Mandalorian yes. show. I think so. And then they were, t- they, and were they told from higher up, no, Grogu has to be in the show. So they had to do something to bring him Maybe, back. Yeah. Or they just realized that everybody loved Grogu so much that like, oh, we can't just get rid of him. Yeah. Well, and I, I think they knew that going into it because they released absolutely zero Grogu merchandise before the right. pilot of Mandalorian dropped. Oh, don't, don't get my like, started we, on. <laughs> like we, but essentially the general public had no idea Grogu existed until the end of the first episode. Right. And then, you know, they had to like rush it for the Christmas season. But here's, here's the thing about about that, about all of that. And there's two points that I have. One, talking about the casual fan, because we're all, you know, we're all deep hearted Star Wars fans. And we, you know, but you take my wife, who is a casual fan. Take my wife, please. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. She's in the next room. But uh, <laughs> you might hear. <laughs> she's just a casual Star Wars fan. And she had absolutely zero interest in watching the book of Boba Fett. She did not. She had no interest. She didn't want to see it. Um, for whatever reason, I don't know. It, she just wasn't interested, which is fine, except there's a big chunk in the middle of the book of Boba Fett that bridges season two and season three of the Mandalorian, which my wife had not watched. So she had no idea how Grogu got back. She had no idea how, uh, Mando got his new ship. She had no idea of any of this stuff. So she had to go back and watch book of Boba Fett to see it which she still does she did not like book of boba fett but anyway so for that reason that's why i didn't like that they did that because not everyone is going to be watching every single thing so right. to do that, it's like you know it's like that could have been kept in the mandalorian it didn't have to be in the book of boba fett and as far as the the Pershing thing goes, I would what I would like to have seen is if they instead of doing that two thirds three quarter episode on him whatever, if they had say taken episode four, which is an episode that I'm still not a fan of, um, and split it up with that and the Pershing thing and like go back and forth, that would have made that at least a better episode. So like I would rather have seen something like that. Okay, okay. I'm trying to remember what episode four was. 
The pterodactyls. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, wait what did you say, Derek? I, I missed that. The pterodactyls. Oh, yeah, the pterodactyls. Which, did they come later? No, those, we never saw them again. Never saw them again. But it, when they all, when they collected all the Mandalorians together in that camp, and they were like, yeah. all right, tomorrow we're all going to go take I back Mandalore. They were cooking some sort of giant thing on a spoon oh, no. in the background. <laughs> no. no. Yeah, it's completely different. To say. The Reddit theory was that they took those pterodactyls. I don't know. Maybe. That's some Ewok stuff right there. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, all right. Some, something I had saw had said that the, the head shapes were different. So it wasn't them. Maybe, maybe not. It's like, well, you, you, you take a pork chop and put it put it on the grill. It shrinks. Yeah, so exactly. it, it could have. Right. And, and they were newborn, so soft skulls. Yeah, yeah. And where are they? If that wasn't them, where are they? And why weren't they used at the, the battle against Moff Gideon? Right. That's also a, a very good point that I was also thinking of, because they just disappeared. We haven't, we haven't no, seen them. Nothing, no. Um, I will. Did they leave them back on, the, you know, the other planet they were on when they, they you know. I, they killed their mom. I, How are they going to survive? Unlike Cersei, Din Djarin's now the, the father. Father of pterodactyls. No. Um, I uh, I will at the risk of giving Derek a big head. Uh, Too late. I, I, will con- <laughs> I will concede one point where I think I think you're right. I think it was Derek that said this that the 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 casual Star Wars fan, the general population, uh, the GA Star Wars fans, if you will, um, are not as into Boba Fett. As right. those of us who are hardcore fans, right? Uh, you know, because we're the ones that saw his total screen time of <clears throat> three and a half minutes between two movies and became obsessed with this character because right. he was so mysterious. And, um, whereas my wife's the type who saw it and said, I don't get it, what's the big deal? <laughs> He right. died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, so I oh, go, keep going. Well, I was going to say, so I, I think that is a, a point to be taken here is that, you know, this show, this expanding the franchise, obviously Disney wants it to be as I think they want it to be as accessible to as many people as it can be while still catering to the super fans. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a balancing act. And so Book of Boba Fett was totally for us. And if they right. didn't sprinkle in some Mandalorian, they were going to lose possibly the majority of their audience. I think that was the, at least the risk that they were considering um, because they know guys like us, we all wanted Boba Fett. We wanted Boba Fett and we got Din Djarin, who's cool. His armor's more shiny. And <laughs> really my wife who has liked Star Wars a lot growing up, but, but I, I think she would even say she considered herself, she did consider herself more of a casual fan, mm. liked Star Wars like she has like set up roots on Mandalorian. She is like, this is my star Wars. I am obsessed with Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, and, and I, I like that because Filoni has this great way of very subtly spoon feeding you star Wars lore through his projects. And I almost um, agree because I think my wife is very similar. Um, Mm -hmm. So how did they feel about book of Boba Fett? My, you know, my wife was like, eh, you know, it was fine. Like, mm-hmm. and and honestly, if I wasn't into the character of Boba Fett, I would have been like, eh, it was fine. Right. You know, I don't need any more of it. But because I love the character so much, 
I've got two Boba Fett helmets and Slave One right here. Uh, I know that's, that. that's the fire spray. Yeah, that's not Slave One. It's Slave One <laughs> until the day that I die. <laughs> I also have this magnificent Stein. Um, Adorable. I've, what, what, I've got a lot of Boba Fett stuff. What, what, what you're missing is... I have the, a whole section of Boba Fett, yes. For, from Beeline Creative, the Boba Fett Geeky Tiki. Uh, I have the Boba Fett Geeky Tiki. It's out on my bar. Okay. Uh, is there more than one? Oh, that is an appropriate place for it. <laughs> well, it's yeah. the only one, but there's a there's a Mandalorian one as well. in genre. Right. But I have like the old, like when they first came out with the Geeky Tiki Star Wars set, and it's just the oh. all green yeah, yeah. Boba Fett. Mm. It's like got no detail on it. It's just the shape and it's all green. Yeah. Um, so I I think they've come out with ensuing like additions, but I have the whole thing. Like I've got the giant, uh, the job of the hut scorpion bowl with the salacious crumb shot glass. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I'm don't worry. I'm covered on my Boba Fett. Um, so, but even that, so you're a huge, obviously a huge Boba Fett fan, but even book of Boba Fett, even for you is still not exactly what you're hoping for. Yes. And, And I did not, I was not against the direction they took his character. A lot of these guys were like, no, Boba yeah. Fett's a bounty hunter. He's got to be killing people and blah, blah, blah. I liked it as yeah. like, oh, Boba Fett realizes he's an old guy now and can't hey, go off. Know, just- we'll, we'll stick you guys in the Sarlacc pit for a while and see how much uh, <laughs> how much you want to do after you get out. <laughs> I think right. some of that is um, what we've talked about here before, but um, you weren't with us, obviously, Ben, was um, what the, gen- what the um, hardcore Star Wars fan base what we love about um, Boba Fett is uh, depends on how you grew up because we grew up with the expanded universe, so right. we found out who this guy was. Right, if right. You were just a general Star Wars fan, Boba Fett had what um, three line or um, yeah. like three to five minutes in the first movie, mm-hmm. and maybe seven minutes in the second movie, and only a total of like fifteen lines of dialogue. Right, and if you happen to be lucky. You saw the half hour cartoon from the holiday special. Exactly. Which they have. So it's like um Which was available on Disney Plus. So the general people that have basically just watched the movies. Wait, hold on. The holiday specials on no, Disney Plus no, now? The cartoon. Oh, the cartoon is on there. No, the <laughs> the cartoon uh when you go to when you go to the Star Wars sections, the it's called the Faith Faithful Wookiee. Right. You mean they don't have the whole scene where Chewbacca's grandpa just sits down and watches porn in the middle of the living room? Oh, they do. That's called. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, You've seen the holiday special, the right? Special oh, yeah. Section. Uh, yeah. Where, where the first half hour is nothing but. It's just. Yeah. And then grandpa goes over and turns on a hologram of Twi'leks dancing and just sits there. Mm-hmm. By the way, have you seen have you seen the meme that has come out about comparing the. Uh, the CGI Luke to the uh, holiday special Luke. <laughs> no, it basically says uh, it has a picture of the CGI Luke from Mandalorian and a bad picture of Luke from the holiday, from the holiday special. <laughs> and it says, uh, guess which one, guess which one's the CGI Luke. So are we talking about this? Yes. <laughs> oh man, you got it on bootleg DVD. <laughs> Who doesn't? Yes, yes. I you have got one. me a copy as well. Who doesn't have one? I know. I don't, but it's on YouTube. So, um, speaking Just like dogma. Speaking of um, general fans or casual fans, uh, we we've talked about this a couple times. 
times. I would love to get your take. Galaxy's Edge, did they hit the wrong time period for, your, for the timeline for Galaxy's Edge? That's a really good question. And I like that. Um, it's... Did they hit the wrong? Like, I guess it depends on who you're asking, because obviously you're 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 putting this in a Disney park and Disney is not necessarily responsible for the prequels in the original trilogy. You know, they created the sequel trilogy, which I'm not the biggest fan of. Right. But they've uh, had that. But they've had the partnership with Lucas forever since Star Tours. Exactly. Here in Florida, Star Wars weekends. It makes sense to me that they would have put it in the sequel era uh that they would have designed it to exist in that era is that my favorite era no like if i if if they came to if you know bob Iger called me up on the phone 10 years ago or whatever <laughs> and said hey we're gonna make a whole star wars theme park section at disneyland and disney world I would have said, put it in the original trilogy era, or if I had known it was happening, this, you know, <clears throat> five-year period right after Return of the Jedi, which they kind of touch on at Galaxy's Edge a little bit, no. you know, because they yeah. bring out Book of Boba Fett era, they bring out Mando. Um, yeah, that would be good because there's a lot of, there's still a lot of... Uh open space in that area yeah but you know like the the new trilogy the the first order stormtroopers don't do anything for me if i go if i'm at disneyland here in southern california and i go over uh, or at least used to be able to go over to tomorrowland and they'd have classic trilogy stormtroopers walking around i get excited mm. you know i love that um i got excited when i saw the trailer for force awakens and saw this new design of the stormtroopers and then i saw the movies and i liked force awakens when it came out but the more i watch it the less interested i become kind of mm -hmm. um and it it doesn't you know then they come out and they're like oh by the way we probably should have had an idea for the trilogy going into it instead of just piecemealing three movies together and calling it a trilogy. Yeah, I think so. You call it movie, movie, um, what was it? Um, movie potpourri. No, 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 no. It was, um, I'm trying to think of the right term for uh, race. Um, oh, crap. For, there's that too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know, and, and people make the argument and I will argue this all day. They're like, Oh, George Lucas didn't, he didn't, wasn't intending on making a trilogy when he made the first one. He was, he had the overarching story like in mind. Right. right. Cause you go back to interviews in 1977 and he's like, Oh, I want to do, or not 77. It was a few years after that when they changed it to episode four. And he's like, Oh, I want to go back and look at the Jedi before the empire and blah, blah, blah. You know, he had this whole thing in mind and with the new trilogy, they kind of, well, I'm getting off on a tangent. I apologize, but that's with the new trilogy, that, they were like, normal, yeah. this movie. And then they're like, hey, Ryan, come up with something to follow this. And personally, that's relay race. Yeah, relay race. There you go. There you go. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense now. Personally, out of the new ones, Last Jedi is probably my favorite if I have one. Me too. Um, and, and uh, you know, uh, Rise of Skywalker, they just, oh. they were just like, let's retcon everything Ryan Johnson oh. did. Oh, that was so and, painful. And make it not interesting again um but uh going back to the original question did they put galaxy's edge in the wrong era in my opinion yes ish there's still a lot of the feeling of you're in star wars right uh, that they do capture when you go to galaxy's edge i love going to galaxy's edge at disneyland here um and and i love it when like mando's walking around or boba fett's walking around um, I touched a little bit on the, the Galaxy's Edge comics, and so I recognize the, the young woman who's like the leader of the resistance or whatever, but 
um yeah it, it those aspects of like kylo ren and the new style stormtroopers you know the whole first order thing just doesn't hit me mm-hmm. but little kids right who, believe it or not apparently that's what disneyland is geared towards <laughs> um, <laughs> little kids they're now uh, you that's know, why I'm adults talking. come to walt disney world right um oh what my wife and i are are childless millennials who go to disneyland all the time um (laughs) and if you don't get that there was a i think it was a post on reddit where they reposted this woman was like i can't believe all these childless millennials who come to disneyland and oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. um so we were we were talking about getting t-shirts that just said childless millennial on it Um, but you know you talk to kids who grew up you know that were born in the 90s who grew up on the prequels and they love the prequels and the only reason I love the prequels now is because of what Dave Filoni did with Clone Wars and Rebels Right. Like those Clone Wars yeah, makes me they appreciate made, the prequels. They made the prequels better. Yeah. Well, and I, I've I've mentioned it on this on this show uh, a couple times in the past. For the majority of us who got to see the original trilogy in the theaters, we were kids. Now yeah. a lot of the adults, the adults that liked it, it's great. But a majority of people, um, I even want to say Cisco and Ebert might have said, well, as much as they liked it, it was a mediocre film. The original, yeah. The original I mean, trilogies. They they were mediocre stories, but we embraced them so much it didn't matter. So when the prequels came out, they were we saw what the adults of our generation saw. Right, they're mediocre, but the kids loved them. And I so, think that's the one thing that didn't happen with the sequels is they were mediocre stories, but even even the kids were going, mm, yeah, that's kind of mediocre. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. The problem is, I don't think the sequels are mediocre. No. Well, again, we grew up 40, 40 plus years of Star Wars. Star Wars, no matter how mediocre it may be, it's not mediocre to me. See, it does make me wonder if the sequel trilogy, as they are now, had been released before the age of the Internet and social media. What kind of reaction would they have gotten? Because the original trilogy, if um, if there was an Internet sounding chamber like what we have now. Right. Would it have been as um, would it have gotten the same reaction? We we saw that with the uh, prequel trilogy a little bit because the Internet was just starting. Right. And you get fanboys getting their panties in a bunch a little bit back during the prequel trilogy. And then full-born um, social media and everything when the sequel trilogy is released and everybody goes bananas. And so all of a sudden everybody knows, oh, well, everybody, all they hear is that these movies were terrible. So everybody's like, oh, these movies must be terrible. Right. I, I, wonder, I wonder if they were released before the age of social media, if we would have had the same reaction. But the other thing is how how much, if they had social media back then, how much of it would have been ruined spoiled ahead of, ahead of time yeah well that's that's why i say that's why yeah. i'm wondering is like because you can't we can't look at it that way right we, there's no way to go back and look and say okay there, there's no way of going back to look at the aol chat yeah well to your point ken i think i think it is almost an apples and oranges thing because exactly with each with each subsequent trilogy that has come out we had a previous trilogy to compare it to mm-hmm. and so but with the original trilogy I mean, even mediocre storytelling, the, it was so innovative at the time, mm-hmm. it blew people away because they hadn't seen anything like that. Yeah. You know, they had other sci-fi stuff, but like, you want to compare 2001 A Space Odyssey to Star Wars, well, 2001's a snooze fest. There's a, um, there is a, a line of delineation 
if you look in general at cinema, not just the sci-fi and stuff like that, and cinema in general, of there's a line in the sand in 1976. Mm-hmm. The difference between film before Star Wars and film that was made after Star Wars was released. Not just in sci-fi and not just in the Star Wars movies. Right. If you look at just the way films were made and the way they were marketed, every, every aspect of cinema and film before Star Wars was ever out and then after Star Wars was released. Yeah, well, the, there was only one film that came close to, yeah, I was going to reference that. But it still didn't do what Star Wars did it for. I mean, it made a big splash. Yeah, but wow. it, it was. It, oh, no. it well, was. For those of you who are listening, which is everybody, because this is an audio podcast, yeah. I have directly, we're all on video right now, and directly over my left shoulder is my signed poster of Jaws, signed by, yeah. uh, signed Bruce, by shark? Uh, Bruce. <laughs> Bruce was the shark. Um, no, it's, uh, it's signed by Carl Gottlieb, who's a writer, one of the writers, yeah. and uh, Joe Alves who built the shark. Um, yes. And we've had we've had both of them over on Weeby Geeks. Mm-hmm. We've had both of them on our Con Guy podcast as well. Uh, both kind of delightful guys. Just an out of nowhere thing. Um, Chris Jericho was actually on one of the um, Sharknado movies. His, <laughs> nice. his name was Bruce. Purposely yeah. because yeah. the Jaws shark was Bruce. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, was, um, but yeah, but what, to your point, Mike, the, the Jaws, we're just two, like when Star Wars was released, we're two years out of Jaws, the first Blockbuster. Blockbuster, right. Yeah. And and I think that was that you know, Jaws was the John the Baptist to Star Wars is Jesus. If you if if you'll take a scriptural yeah. reference, it was um it was showing that there was a shift coming. Mm-hmm. Star Wars knocked the doors down. Or or, at, or if we go with at, a Passover reference, Jaws was the Elijah saying the Messiah is coming. There you go. And Messiah was Star Wars. And look at look at how everybody was telling George Lucas. Well, almost everybody. I was telling George Lucas how ridiculous this Star Wars thing was. He was Every, he was being he was being told on set the by, by some of the cast and crew everybody. while filming. They thought they were filming a kid, a children's show, but. Who didn't tell George Lucas that it was ridiculous, and who said it was actually going to be a big hit? Spielberg. That's George right. Lucas. Oh, well, yeah, Spielberg, Spielberg and Coppola. You know, you know who made it into a big hit? George Lucas's ex-wife, yes. wife at the time, right? And you know why George Lucas released the special edition in two, uh, 1997? Because they made enough changes to the films that they legally could be considered different movies. And his wife, his ex-wife, right. could no longer get royalties. Right. Yeah. yeah. Clever. But that's Which, why the last set of special edition DVDs that came with the original cut, I, I believe, happened because of a lawsuit because she sued. And he said, okay, fine. This is the final release of the originals. Yeah. And it's going to be exactly the way it was in the theaters with the 2.1 or the 2.0 stereo mix. Now, no, no, I, no. It was the um, Laserdisc version that was put out on the DVDs. But it was still the, point, the 2.0 mix. It was not the remastered oh, okay. audio mix. Now, I am curious if because Disney owns Lucasfilm now, if they would make any bones about releasing an original cut and paying ex Ms. Lucas her or, you know, her, uh, uh, whatever you call it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Royalties. But they, I don't think they're going to release it because that's not the official version. They were, they're just, they're going to be all about releasing the official version of the film. I also thought, I wonder if George baked something into the contract when he sold it. He, he may have, because I mean, if you think about it on April 28th, we're getting the 40th anniversary of return of the Jedi in the theaters. Man, 40 years. When, when they did that with empire two years, three years ago, it was the special edition. It was right. not the original uncut, which I was kind of hoping for, but yeah, it'll be whatever the newest cut that's on is, like, yeah. Disney Plus right now is what we're gonna get. Yeah. And as long as I get my hot size snoodles music video, in oh, no. <laughs> and, and the blinky Ewoks. Wait, and the blinky Ewoks. Oh, I forgot about the blinky Ewoks. Wait, there, there were there were other things in that movie besides Princess Leia and a bikini. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, was, that was its own movie in my head. <laughs> I will say, you know, could back to our previous discussion about the difference between Boba Fett's starship, the fire spray and Slave One, which is a I will still call it Slave One. I do like how they changed the reference point of Leia in the bikini. She used to be called Slave like Leia, Leia and now she's called Hut Slayer Leia, right. which I 100 percent approve of. I think that's well, she, I mean, for she slays thing, a hut. She slays a hut and it's a sexier name. I was going to say, I'm not going to lie. That's a yeah. uh, that's a. Uh, so the question is, when she goes after Zero, Jabba's uncle, is she going to wear that outfit to kill him? Because that's her um, hot slayer outfit. That's true. So that's true. Um, just saying. I'd I don't be okay with that. I think they're going to have a hard time getting Carrie Fisher, but uh, not anymore. Was that too dark of a, a reference? Um, well, George always complained about her weight issues and wouldn't be a problem now. Ouch. Um, <laughs> Carrie Fisher. Just Carrie Fisher. Fisher rest in peace. Hey, uh, she's, she's getting her star on the Walk of Fame on May, on 4th. May 4th. Yep. Happy for that. Which is my wedding anniversary, by the way. I mentioned that earlier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I missed it. Um, quickly, before we have to go, I want to <laughs> give you a chance to kind of flip the tables a little bit. I know we didn't do an interview, normal interview. We did the roundtable. I want to give you a chance to ask the three of us a, a question that you may be wanting to ask if you've been listening to the show. Uh, yeah, I, I have a pad and pen right here. What are your social security numbers? One, <laughs> three. You guys are old. Um, Fifty-seven. Twenty-five <laughs> does not start with a one. I, I, I won't. I won't give you the response that I give to the people asking about my Medicare. <laughs> Because I don't have a red, white, and blue card. I have a purple, green, and gold card. And I have plan Z, not plan A or B. Nice. I thought, for a second, I thought Ken was reciting the numbers from Lost. <laughs> no, he, he originally was no, going to do this. He, he was going to do this, the same combo from his suitcase like mine. Uh, well, I do have a very important question that I want to ask you guys. When's the next time I can be on the show? We next will definitely week. talk. Uh, <laughs> actually, I have someone. I have people lined up for next week. Uh, oh, we're gonna, fine. We're going to have the people back, from. Back, yes. That's weird. Listen, I'm not made of time over here. Okay. You got you to gotta <laughs> get me. You got to hit me up ahead of time. But um, I, I heard you were an no. actor. So you got plenty of time. Well, yeah, <laughs> we'll see in the next couple of days how that goes. Um, yeah, no, I just overall here. Here's a good question. Overall, with you guys, since you are old school fans as I am, and I, I'm, I'm younger than all you guys. 
uh, so you're a little bit more seasoned fans uh, than I am. You, you like you said, you got Mike, a question there, or are you just gonna yeah. call us old for the rest? No, of we, we we just got called Derek's, old. Derek's really really old. I don't know, um, fellas. I got a bad feeling about this. Mike is older. Mike is older. Uh, Mike, Mike is older. I'm Mike, the oldest. You had, mentioned, you had mentioned you had the opportunity to see um, some, at least, of the originals in the theater when they were released, which I never... I was born in 1984, so I showed up a year too late. I saw um, all the originals in the theater. But as far as being a Star Wars fan for that long and the majority of your life, if not your entire life, what are you happy with the way you're seeing the direction of Star Wars going now overall? You know, you can say, oh, well, I didn't like the sequels or or this or that. But if you're looking at everything Star Wars now, like we've talked about the Ahsoka trailer, we've talked about Book of Boba Fett, we've talked about Mandalorian, we've got Skeleton Crew, we've got all these new shows, uh, we've got new movies coming out that Filoni is going to be directing, et cetera, et cetera. How do you feel about the direction that Star Wars is going now? And this goes to all of you, not just Mike, but yeah. Ken, why don't you start? I think we finally have a direction. We know when Disney bought it, they had a, they had a, they, the direction they had was we're making three movies. We're going to finish this off. And then they still didn't have a direction on those. They just knew they wanted to make three movies, obviously, because we didn't, there was no outline or anything else. We thought when JJ went into that first movie, oh, okay, they know where they're going to finish at. No, they had no idea where they're going to finish. Nope. But, um, and until I think Disney still, like when they pulled back after those first five movies that they made, when they pulled back, because they, at that point, Iger, and even Kathy Kennedy at that point all realized, what are we doing here? They still didn't have a direction for Star Wars in general. They didn't want to tell stories, but they had no, like, there's no through line anywhere there. When um, when they decided, um, when I think when Favreau stepped in and they allowed Filoni to actually take a stronger role behind the scenes, and all of a sudden they, when they, and actually until they released the first season of, of Mando, they still didn't have a full-on direction yet where they weren't sure when they released the first season of um, Mandalorian all of a sudden they saw the reaction from people and said wait a minute okay what did, what did they do right yeah because for the first time I think that I could ever think just about the entire um Star Wars community said that's it that they this is correct We've never had that. I mean, go all the way back to the creation of the internet. Nobody, Star Wars, the Star Wars fan community is the, can never agree, ever. <laughs> when Mando dropped, everybody in one voice said, this is it. And yeah. then uh, I think that's that's the point where Kathy Kennedy, Bob Iger, all of them said, wait a minute. Okay, guys, what did you do? How did this work? And now they actually, they, they said, okay, well, this is how this worked. Then if you look, there's been a, couple, a little bit of almost missteps in there and stuff that people didn't like this quite as much as... Uh, like there's a lot of people who um, thought um, Obi Wan was okay but not great. But you've not had the um, vicious hate that you had before going into that. So it's like I think now finally a couple years into Mando, we've had a couple other shows. We actually have a through line of something that's going here. I think we're actually in a much better position than we have been in a very long time. I, I think even probably that. in a better position than we've been since um, I would say all the way back to the end of um, Revenge of the Sith because the yeah the um, um, Clone Wars was awesome. Rebels was awesome, but that didn't hit the mainstream Star Wars audience. That was still hardcore Star Wars fans of kids. So now it's like 
Because now we finally got to the point where the hardcore Star Wars fans, those of us who like live, breathe, and bleed Star Wars forever, are enjoying what's going on. And the mainstream audience is enjoying what's going on. So I think Star Wars is stronger now than it has been in at least 20 years, if not more. All right. Probably a lot longer winded than I needed to be there. But <laughs> well said, though, Ken. Mike or Derek? You're up there. So, I mean, everything has its ups and downs, of course. Uh, if you experiment, sometimes experiment fails. Uh, sometimes, as long as you learn from your failures, then you can you can make things better the next time. Uh, so basically, in my personal opinion, overall the sequels were not a success for various reasons, and we'll get into all of that. Uh, but Mandalorian has been good overall. Book of Boba Fett, eh, iffy. Uh, Obi-Wan, I didn't completely love it, but it had some really great stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm taken back to what they had originally planned, which kind of, I'm a little, I it didn't end up working, but I'm a little disappointed about when they had the idea of the saga movie one year and then the non-saga movie the other year, which was great when they had Rogue One. And Solo, I liked personally. I think we all kind of um, liked it in a way. I really like Solo. I'm I'm a big fan of Solo. It, it is. It's. I mean, you know, maybe it, it's not perfect, whatever. But it's it's a good movie. It, it fell the same way as John Carter. It got a raw deal. Right. Um, Agreed. But but the thing is, we all were, as we've mentioned many times, we were all alive during the dark times when there was no Star Wars, when. There wasn't even right after Return of the Jedi. It wasn't even oh, there's the books and stuff coming. There was a period where there was just nothing. That's it. Star Wars is done. Uh, you miss it. We had Ewoks for years. And droids for one. Sure. We also had uh, the Shadows of the Empire Media Blast. Yes. That was the mid-90s. There was still a period where there was, you thought Star Wars was done, period. Well, the the comics almost went, when Marvel dropped them in 85, um, about the same time as Kenner dropped, or really stopped slowing down on the figures, and then everything went over to Dark Horse. Dark Horse was such a small company at the time. Mm. I think it and Star Wars and Hellboy what really brought Dark Horse to the forefront. By the time I realized they were doing Star Wars, it was years into it. So I I didn't know. Right. So this, this is the only thing that kept it alive. Yeah, but right. but then again, you had to be a gamer to know that. Yeah, it yeah. didn't it didn't really keep it alive. It was just mm-hmm. a there's a yeah. role playing game for people this who like role playing games. The plug to the life support system, <laughs> and that's about it. I don't even know if I'd call it that because most of us didn't even know of its existence. Um. But anyway, so there was a time when we all thought Star Wars was done. And now, even through the the missteps and the mistakes and whatever, there's still Star Wars and it's still going on. And we still, you know, if something comes out and, you know, setting aside the quote unquote, you know, fans that complain about everything, which they're not really fans. But anyway, um, Uh, some things maybe have a misstep. Fine. You know, that's what happens in these kind of things. But there's still Star Wars coming. And now that we've had some more announcements after celebration of things coming, it's you can it seems like maybe they're gonna be they now have a direction again and something to work towards. So yeah, I'm happy with it overall. It's Star Wars. As long as I'm getting more Star Wars, give me more Star Wars. For me, I think Star Wars is in a good place. Just like you know, Star Trek. Star Trek's 
been in a good place. I mean, there's up and ups and downs, uh, like Derek had mentioned, uh, like Panda mentioned. Uh, for me, overall, even with the downs, it's Star Wars. I'm loving yeah. the tells. I, even though I, I'm more critical over the sequel trilogy than I am the others, um, it's still something I enjoy. Uh, if it wasn't for the Disney Lucasfilm merger, we wouldn't have got started getting projects outside of the saga, outside right. of the episodics. So Rogue One, awesome. great film. It's a video game we always wanted as a kid that we never got. Yeah. Solo, I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, Agreed. Mandalorian, great. Book of Boba Fett, okay, a little slip. It's okay. We have the slip. Obi-Wan, um, like Derek, for the most part, there was a lot. There was a lot I did like in it, but there was quite a bit that I, I wasn't. Um, but unlike three of y'all, I do have a child and to see, go through what my dad did with my brother and I, with this franchise, um, carry over with her right now. She's excited for Ahsoka and she's already claimed I'm not watching anything but Disney channel or Disney plus when the Ahsoka series comes out, period. (laughs) Um, for that level of excitement from her and for her to go back and forth of daddy, I love Harry Potter more than I love Star Wars too. Well, it's changed back. She likes she likes them both equally, but she'll go Star Wars more than Harry Potter most days. That's where I'm seeing it. Is is the franchise in a good place? Yes, my daughter loves it. Chances are my my grandkids, kid or kids, will love it if the if our passions carry on down the chain to them. I think that that's where kids today are loving the series. Yeah, are loving the franchise. Whether they can name characters from the sequel trilogy or not, or from Rogue One or not, or from Solo or not, they could tell you Luke Skywalker, Stormtrooper, Darth Vader, Princess Leia. Mm -hmm. And that's why I posed the question earlier, is Galaxy's Edge in the wrong time period? And I say yes, because even with the casual fans, you ask them to name something, name three Star Wars characters, you're not getting anything from the sequel era, even though that's what's fresh. They're going to get the household names. Mm-hmm. Boba Fett will be one. That's why now they're in California. You got Boba Fett, Phoenix, and Mandalorian. Here mm-hmm. we have Mandalorian. We have Din Djarin. That's it here in Florida. We don't have the other two. With the Star Cruiser, I still think, having been there, sequel era is still wrong time period. If mm-hmm. the focus now, the movies are done. The saga's over. The focus now is the Mandoverse, the beginning of the New Republic. Not the not the rise of the first order and, and whatever the we go into next the fifth republic or whatever we're we're, we're dealing still with original trilogy timeline with the new republic and the empire the empire still the focus here empire still the bad guys in many ways but also now with season three having the pirates well that's the other thing missing from the parks it's the bounty hunters and the pirates. Mm-hmm. The Mandoverse time period would be perfect. And or even the, the original trilogy timeline pulled away from the saga films would still be ideal. And I think that's if if they did that with the parks, that would definitely strengthen the franchise just a bit more amongst the casual fans. I have an interesting um idea that on this that, that answer for that question, Mike, of was it a mistake? I think um I think as soon as when they're ready to do a revamp of Galaxy's Edge, which um you know Disney. After a certain amount of time, they're going to re- want to refresh it, and they they will change the times timeline. Then 
But I think when they designed Galaxy's Edge, you got to remember when they were in the design phase, the pre the sequel trilogy hadn't been fully released yet, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Yeah. So right. they were up through uh, Last Jedi. It's a okay. time. It's a time period of of the of Galaxy's Edge is you're supposed to be sitting between the the period of the Last Jedi mm-hmm. and Rise of Skywalker. Well, you've got to remember when Disney bought Star Wars, everything George Lucas made for Star Wars had made billions of dollars. So they had no reason to think that when they released these movies that, that um, they wouldn't have a similar reaction and make billions of dollars. Well, they did make billions on it, but they thought this would be as big as the other trilogies they've had. So they put it firmly in what is being released now. Right. People are going to love this. Corporately, it made sense. Yeah. But when they, by the time that people went bananas and um, that you got all this hatred for the sequel trilogy, it was too late to change directions on that. Right. I mean, you have to even remember for the part Galaxy's of the edge sorry, sorry oh no you're fine well i was gonna say part of the design of galaxy's edge there's a ship in it that was written out of the last jedi mm-hmm. the the big tie whatever it is oh, in the middle yeah that was supposed to be in last jedi and then it ended up getting cut mm-hmm. i think it was supposed to be last jedi yes. either last jedi or yeah yeah, yeah it was supposed to be in last so jedi it does make so corporate was, sense yeah it was supposed yeah. to tie into the current movies right so um now so i think putting it where they did timeline wise was the correct decision for them at that point right i mean now they're gonna have to do some revamps and stuff when it comes time to refresh the land right now they're still getting enough people there that they're not looking into that yet what is it every 10 years or every 15 no. years probably to go for a revamp no they they're already there obviously when you have Finn in california like Phoenix chan boba fett mandalorian you're not going to have any of the characters from the sequel era out yeah just like here in florida you got when the mandalorian comes out you're they're not going to be walking around next to v marati or or ray they're going to come out right. at a different time period See, so so all of a sudden you know it's, it's like for the casual fan cool it's star wars characters they don't realize the, where the storyline is for someone like us it'll be okay so we've just time warp backwards for this character and now we're going to time warp forward when we see ray and first order and all that it's, it's becoming a scenario of where they're they're feeding but they need to decide at this point in time where do we go yeah mm-hmm. well if you go and you flip this the opposite direction when you go to the star cruiser now i understand they're they're keeping it in that that's because that's where galaxy's edge is but Correct. at this point when they made star cruiser they understand they understood the reaction people had to the sequels that's the point where they should have pivoted and went and switched it up a little bit and or even don't, don't give us rec- fully recognized characters and give us characters that could be from any time frame and i think that's where with the star cruiser even then people were going hope we get this more back in time which is what was wanted and they and they timed it with galaxy's edge instead of taking the opportunity to take florida's galaxy's edge and go back in time and now you have a reason why to go to California to their Galaxy's Edge because it's ahead in time where ours is back in time and tied in with the Star Cruiser. Yeah, I think Star Cruiser should have just made it all original characters. Then they wouldn't have had to worry about what time you're truly in. But what'd you have, Ben? Uh, well, I was just going to say, it is, uh, I, I am going to need to bounce here. Uh, yeah, my, my dog's getting restless. I got to let him out, et cetera, et cetera. But I did have a couple of points and a couple of pitches uh, I wanted to make before I, I leave the show. First of all, thank you guys so much for having me on the show. It has been an absolute pleasure uh, geeking out about Star Wars with you guys. So thank you, thank you, thank you, uh, Mike, Ken, and Derek. 
Um, I have a few points uh, to uh, along with some Mike was saying my wife and I always say and she coined this. Uh, I'll give her credit. But she said Star Wars for me is like mac and cheese. If you set it in front of me, I'm going to eat it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so, like Star that. Wars for us is mac and cheese um, Two. I love Andor, and I think it is a great direction to take part of the television universe yes. in. Um, gritty spy war thriller. Uh, oh, I loved it. Uh, amazing. Um, I always get upset when I hear people criticizing Kathy Kennedy. Uh, yeah. Do you not know? Do you not respect your elders? She has been there since the Indiana Jones era. Um, respect right. your elders. Well, here for us, just on that one, we've all agreed here that she is a phenomenal um, businesswoman. Yeah. Time and time again, when it comes to the business of movie making, she is that. She is not a creative movie person. And that's the problem why I, is she got stepped in, and it, I think when they hired, when um, George Lucas hired her in here, he knew who she was. Right. I think Bob Iger and them were thinking, okay, George Lucas chose her. She's going to fill his role. No, she can fill half of his role. Right. She could run the business of Lucasfilm, which is the part that Lucas never liked doing anyway. I, I think her. Right. I think her mistake was she should have named Loney almost immediately creative vice president instead of yeah. waiting till when she did until 2020. So now um, continue. <laughs> uh, well, I was going to say, and speaking of Filoni, I think Filoni and Favreau are great for the direction that star Wars is going right now. They're both mega fans. I think Filoni, as we said, studied under Lucas and knows how to do genuine star Wars storytelling. Um, and I think, I think Favreau is a mega fan and sometimes he misses the mark on some of the episodes he wrote and some of the episodes he directed, but overall, I think his heart's in the right place. Um, the last point I'm going to make is give Bryce Dallas Howard a trilogy. Yes. Give Bryce Dallas Howard a trilogy. Um, and then the, the last thing I want to say before I, I absolutely do have to get off now. <laughs> so my apologies guys to rush out, but, um, That's you can, right. you can check me out. Uh, you can check me out at bencleaver.com, B E N K L I E W E R.com or linktree.com slash bencleaver. I'm also one of the hosts of the Con Guy podcast, which is also on the Weeby Geeks Network. Uh, and I just started a new show, a new podcast called The Geek Seat with Ben Cleaver. Uh, our first episode is out now. Episode one is about episode one. So we go through and break down Star Wars episode one. Uh, our second episode is going to be releasing this next week uh, on Wednesday, which I believe is the 3rd of May. Correct. Um, Correct. And uh, what, was that? what was the name of that? It's called The Geek Seat with Ben Cleaver. And you can also find it on YouTube uh, on the Movie Melee channel. M-O-V-I-E-M-E-L-E-E. Um, and, and, and that was going to be my last question to you is where can we find you on the internet? Uh, and I just subscribed. And uh, you can find me on all social media at B-E-N-K-L-I-E-W-E-R. And that's mostly going to be Twitter, Instagram, and a little bit of TikTok. But I'm going to try to do more stuff on TikTok because I think I can have a lot of fun with it. Well, on that note, J7, if you would, please. Gentlemen, sounds like there's only one thing left to be said. Give the evacuation code signal. Jet. I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2.